Anyway, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, uh, turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 3, and uh, we'll pick up where we left off last time I taught. We're going to finally finish chapter 3 today, and uh, next time maybe we'll get in chapter 4. Let's, look, let's read verses uh, 14 through 21, and then we'll go from there. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, starting there, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, the height and depth, of the Almighty's love, and to know the Messiah, the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with all the fullness of the Almighty. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Yeshua, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now in order to finish out this chapter, we... We don't have but three verses left, 19, 20, and 21. But I feel like in order to do that, the context of verses 16 through 18 must be understood completely. So by the way of review, verses 14 through 21 that we just read, that's a prayer that Paul is praying for the saints in Ephesus. It's a prayer that Paul started in verse 1, but then he stopped in verse 2 when he thought it necessary to encourage the brothers with a detailed explanation of what his ministry was and how he had sacrificed his life for the sake of the gospel that Yahweh had revealed to him and made him a steward of. He gave this explanation in verses 2 through 13, as we've discussed in the past, and then in verse 14, he picked back up with his prayer. And that's what we discussed in length the last time that I taught. So since we've gone over all that in detail in the past, I don't want to labor anymore. But, like I said, I do want to center in on verses 16 through 18 because they're critical to the way that I'll conclude this message and finish this chapter. So let's look at those briefly one more time. In verse 16 it says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now we all know that the inner man, or our nature, is what drives our outer man. The works of our flesh is a replication of that inner man. If we have worldly desires, then our flesh will exhibit that nature. You can hide it to some degree, but sooner or later, the flesh is going to tell on you. Your sin will find you out. The flesh will always reveal what's inside. What, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever lies within you will be revealed if it's given the chance. I'm reminded of, chap of Matthew chapter um, 15 and verse 19 where the Messiah says, For from the heart, evil thoughts... Murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, blasphemies. See, these are the things that, that defile a man. Our flesh is just a vehicle by which our heart is made known. How many people have ever heard the saying that a drunk man's speech is a sober man's thoughts? Ever heard that? Well, it's true. When you numb the conscience with alcohol, it no longer cares what comes out of the mouth, and neither does it care how the body performs. Now, wouldn't it be something if your heart was not so deceitfully wicked and that even if your conscience was not your filter, that it wouldn't matter? Because what, 
what came out of your mouth would still be righteous. That's the idea. We should all hope for that. Well, that's what Paul's praying for. That's what he's praying for here. He's praying that your inner man, your nature, being strengthened to know the goodness of the Messiah so that what we portray in our actions would proceed from our hearts would be a direct result of a changed inner man. And if that's the case, the result is an attitude of selflessness, one of service to Yahweh and one of love. Love is the biggest key here. But first, Paul prays in verse 17 that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts by faith. This is actually the second step of the process here. First, Paul prays that the inner man be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Second, Paul prays that, the, that Yeshua dwells in your heart by faith. When this happens, saints, Christ starts to permeate the vessel. That's you. And you start to walk and talk and look like Christ does. Only then can you portray the attitude of Christ. And that, my friends, is the attitude of love. That's what he was. That's what he is. As we talked about last time, love's not an emotion, but rather an attitude. And that being an attitude of sacrifice and an attitude of service. That's true love. Yeshua comes into us and he makes his home with us. We talked about John chapter 14 and verse 23 last time I taught. It says that if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, when we yield to the Holy Spirit, Christ moves in. And when he moves in, he starts to clean the place up. That's what we want. That's what I want him to do. I want him to move in and start cleaning me up. All the old you goes away and the vessel's transformed into the new you. And so the results are made manifest in the flesh. That what you see, the outside person, is because Christ lives within them. You become a new creature. You have a glorified Savior indwelling you, sanctifying you, and you become a vessel who walks, talks, and acts like that which lives in you by faith. It's no different than when a demon possesses a man in the Scriptures. We see several examples of this in the New Testament and the Gospels. When a demon possessed a man, the man's nature was that of the demons, right? Well, in order to get rid of the actions of the demon, you must first get rid of the demon. You know, the Messiah, well, he would say, come out of him. When he'd come out of him, the guy quit acting like a demon. It's the same way with our physical body. Our physical body portrays that which, which lives within us. If Christ lives within us, he dwells within us, we'll act like Christ. We'll look like Christ. In order for your outer man to portray the love and the service of Yahweh, your inner man has to be filled with the Messiah. That's step two. Step one, got to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Step two, got to be filled with the Messiah. Now let's look at the end of verse 17 and verse 18. It says this, it says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width, the height, and the depth of Yahweh's love. We know that love is not an emotion, but rather it's an attitude, an attitude of sacrifice, an attitude of selflessness. Well, Paul prays that we may be firmly established and rooted in that, in that attitude. Not just that we understand the definition of love, but that we understand that our salvation is based on it. The fact that Yahweh and Yeshua dwell within is simply an act of selfless love on Yahweh's part. The, the roots of everything we are, our foundation, so to speak, is the act of sacrifice of the love of Yahweh. The very fundamental basis of Christianity is, can, be, can be summed up in love. And we should be able to live up to what we know. Love is not something you understand until you experience it. 
You don't understand what love is until you've been loved. You can't serve until you've been served. And you don't know how to sacrifice until somebody sacrificed for you. So Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted, in other words, your roots within lead to love or to sacrifice, being rooted and firmly established in love, then that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, the height and depth of Yahweh's love. Now notice Paul says here, he says, you should be able to understand with all the saints. Saints are people who have experienced the same exact thing that we've experienced. Sacrifice, they've understood, they have the same sacrifice that we have. That's what makes them co-saints, if you will. The sacrifice of Yahweh's own son. The love that's being referenced is Yahweh's love. And since we all share as saints the same love of Yahweh, then we should be able to understand it collectively. As a group, we should be able to understand. A sacrifice was made for all of us. The greatest sacrifice of all, the blood of Yahweh's own son, was shed. For you, and you, and you, and me, for everybody. And all of us need to understand this together with with all the other saints. Just how great the magnitude of this sacrifice was. How great was that sacrifice? Well, Paul says that he prays that you understand the dimensions of it. The length and width. The height and depth. Well, what is the length and width and height and depth? How do we we understand that? How is that to be interpreted? How do we put that into perspective? Well, Kim's got a children's book. I brought it. Uh, She reads it to Ava sometimes. She had this when the girls were little, too. And it's called Guess How Much I Love You. It's about a little rabbit and a daddy rabbit. It's It's about this little rabbit, and he says, Dad, do you know how much I love you? You turn the page, and he says, uh... I love you this far. And his little arms come out like that. I love you this wide. And then, and then the big daddy rabbit says, he says, yeah, but I love you this wide. You know, and then, so he's talking about the width right there. And then, then he goes on and the little rabbit, he says, but I love you this high. I love you this high. His little arms come up. We read this. We read this to Ava at home. So anyway, but the big rabbit, he says, man, I love you this high. This high is a whole lot higher than the, the little rabbit says. And it goes on and get over here and it says, well, I love you. The little rabbit says, I love you all the way down to the river. And the big rabbit says, well, I love you all the way down to the river and over the hills. And the next page, finally, at the end of the book, you open it up and the little rabbit, he says, he looks up at the moon and he says, wow, that's a long way. That's a real long way. He says, dad, I love you all the way to the moon. And then his dad says, yeah, but I love you all the way to the moon and back. So the rabbit goes to sleep, and we put Ava in the bed, and that's the end of it. You know, that's kind of the way it goes. But the idea was... Yeah, the, the idea was that the rabbit expresses itself, its width, length, height, and depth. And so anyway, I know that that's just a simple children's book. We thought it was pretty neat, and I figured the kids would like it, so I brought it anyway. But it's about the length and width and height and depth of our love for one another, of a child's love and a father's love. If we as parents love our children that much, how much more do you think the Heavenly Father loves us? How much greater is His love for His children? Paul praised it. I want you to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit within your inner man, that you may be filled with the Messiah in your hearts and established in love, so that you can understand the length and the width and the height and depth of our Father's love, of His sacrifice for you. Because keep in mind, 
Every time I say the word love, that's what it should be replaced with. It's a sacrifice. It's a big deal. It's service to, to another person. So what is the length and the width and height and depth of Yahweh's love? Well, I think the best way to understand it is to keep it within its context. So let's look right here in the book of Ephesians to, to explain it. How wide is Yahweh's love? Well, in chapter 2, verse 11 and following, it says, Yahweh's love is broad enough to take the Gentiles and make them one with the Jews. It's broad enough to take a people from far away and bring them near. It's broad enough to tear down a dividing wall and make two groups from one. And it's broad enough to take foreigners and strangers and make them fellow citizens and members of Yahweh's household. What is the length of Yahweh's love? Well, it's long enough in chapter 1 and verse 4 that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And in verse 7, he's loved us, he loves us enough that he will in the coming ages display in his immeasurable riches of his grace on us. And what about the depth of Yahweh's love? Well, it goes so deep that in chapter 2 and in verse 1, it was deep enough to come get us when we were dead, lost in hopeless despair, walking in our sins and trespasses, and it makes us alive with Christ. In verse 5, we were by nature children of wrath, but Yahweh, who is abundant in mercy, because of his great sacrifice that he had for us, he's made us alive in the Messiah. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, now that's death. By grace, we've been saved. That's a complete and total gift of Yahweh. That's how deep his love is. But what about the height of Yahweh's love? Well, in chapter 1 and verse 3, it's high enough to bless us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. It's high enough in chapter 2 and verse 6 to raise us up with Christ and seat us in the heavenlies. So yes, his love is amazing. It is really that good. The width of his love can reach anyone. The length of his love runs from eternity to eternity. The depth of his love reaches to the lowest parts of hell and the height of his love seats us in the most heavenly places right in his presence. Do you know a love like this? Because I don't. I don't understand a love like that. Brothers and sisters, this is what Paul's praying that you understand. This is the love that our Father has for his children. This is the love that an extra, that's, that's extraordinary. It's phenomenal. And yes, this is the love of my king. This is the one I serve. He is a great and mighty king. Do you know the love of Yahweh and his son? Do you understand the sacrifice that's been made for you? Do you comprehend how infinite it is? Because Christ is at home in us. Because the inner man has been indwelled with the Holy Spirit because we're rooted and grounded in love. Can you now fathom how great Yahweh's love is for you? Because if you can't, then we can't go on any further. But if you can, we finally can understand the kind of love that that Yahweh has for you. We can move on into the, into the next verse. In the end of verse 19, it says, So you may be filled with all the fullness of Yahweh. What does that mean? Well, to be completely honest, I'm not 100% sure. However, I got an idea, and I'll, I'll explain it to you. I've been thinking about this verse for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, or maybe not that long, but a long time, and uh, just had a, had a hard time understanding what it means to be filled with the fullness of Yahweh. I've read commentary after commentary and, and uh, come up with all kind of different stuff, but I, I just never could figure out what the verse actually meant. And... Uh, so after a little while of studying, it finally dawned on me the other day, this. All I could think about was Yeshua. 
Yeshua and how he's filled with the fullness of Yahweh. And brothers and sisters, I think that's simply it. The previous verses that we've discussed this evening have been saturated with the indwelling of Christ in our lives. Verse 16 talks about the yielding to the Holy Spirit, kind of a preparatory thing for Christ to come make his home with us. Verse 17 talks about Yeshua dwelling in our hearts by faith. Verse 18 talks about the immeasurable love of Yahweh. And that leads us to verse 19, being filled with the fullness of Yahweh. So if Yeshua dwells in our hearts by faith, then what accompanies Yeshua? The fullness of Yahweh. That's what I believe. Let's look at Colossians real quick. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. We'll go from there. In verse 9, I'm going to read through verse 14, but in verse 9 it says, For in him the entire fullness of Yahweh's nature dwells bodily, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of the Almighty who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased a certificate of debt which it, with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Verse 9 said that the entire fullness of Yahweh dwells in Christ. And then in verse 10 said that we have been filled by Christ. So not only are we filled with Christ, just Christ, we are filled with the fullness of Yahweh that's in Christ. Colossians says that we were also circumcised with his circumcision, buried with him, raised in his baptism, and when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive in him. Through Christ, all the fullness of Yahweh dwells in us. Paul's praying back in Ephesians that we could comprehend all the love of Christ so that the fullness of Yahweh would dwell in us just as it dwells in Yeshua. That's how we're filled, I believe. Isn't that wonderful? Through our true faith in Yeshua, he dwells within our hearts. And by extension, with him being there, we're filled with the fullness of Yahweh. What an amazing picture that is to me. I don't know if I'm getting it across the way I want it to come across, but, but anyway, I think it's super cool. That means from a spiritual standpoint, I'd say we've been overly blessed. I think it's more than, a, more than a blessing. There's nothing that you need that you don't possess if Christ is at home in you. There's not a spiritual race that you can't win. There's not a spiritual battle that you can't fight. You have everything you need as a spiritual man to accomplish all spiritual things because we live with the Messiah in our inner man. And because he's equipped with the fullness of Yahweh, then so are we. What a resource that we have, brothers and sisters. We have all we need. We just need to access it. So we have everything we need. We have strength, power through the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Messiah in our hearts, the understanding of length, width, height and depth of Yahweh's love and sacrifice and we're filled with the fullness of Yahweh and all that brings us to verse 20. If the understanding is that through Christ the fullness of Yahweh resides in us then verse 20 makes perfect sense. Let's read it. It says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think 
according to the power that works in you. Paul starts what's, a doxo- what's called a doxology here. It's just a finality of a prayer where he gives all the glory to the one who is due. But to start with, he recognizes the source of power, which is who? Yahweh, right? Look at the first part of the verse. To him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. That is a powerful statement. Somebody that can do above all that you ask or think. Whatever you can think, he can do greater than that. That's Yahweh. That's a, that's a statement. In other words, there's, there's no limits to Yahweh. Now, I know we all know that, but I think sometimes we just casually know that. Sometimes we just recognize that Yahweh's Yahweh, but that's all it is to us. We don't really think about how great Yahweh is. We don't really understand how great Yahweh is. We just see him as Yahweh. And it becomes somewhat bland to us over time, I guess, if that's the word to use. I use it to, to describe food, but I guess we could have a spiritual blandness. But um, we think of Yahweh, and he's just Yahweh. So often we view him as some spiritual figure that made the world and sent his son and saved us. And that's it. That's it. That's all we see Yahweh as. But woe to us for thinking so minute of such a mighty creator. Woe to us. Again, we have to understand the length and the width and height and depth of all that Yahweh is. We should view Yahweh as the greatest thing that's ever entered our mind. When you think of him, your, your mind should explode with just how wonderful he is and how majestic he is. Now, I'd love to put into words how great Yahweh is, but I believe that the men who went before me do a lot better job. And so I'd like to read some passages of what the prophets of old thought about Yahweh. I believe that the prophets of old had a greater understanding of who Yahweh was, and I believe they definitely honored him, maybe more so than we do. Job in chapter 26, and starting in verse 5, it says, The departed spirits tremble beneath the waters, and all that inhabit them. Sheol is naked before Elohim, and Abaddon has no covering. He stretches the northern skies over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He enfolds the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst beneath their weight. He obscures the view of his throne, spreading his cloud over it. He laid out the horizon on the surface of the waters, at the boundaries between light and darkness. The pillars that hold up the sky tremble, astounded at his rebuke. By his power he stirred the sea, and by his understanding he crushed Rahab. By his breath the heavens gained their beauty, His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. These are but the fringes of his ways. How faint is the word we hear of him. Who can understand his mighty thunder? He says these are just the fringes. Just the fringes of of who Yahweh is. Yahweh is a magnificent mighty one. He is a great and powerful king. I'm going to turn to Job chapter 36 and verse 22. And I'm going to read a whole chapter here. Job chapter 36, and I'm going to start in 22. And it says, Look, Elohim shows himself exalted by his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has appointed his way for him? And who has declared you have done wrong? Remember that you should praise his work, which people have sung about. All mankind has seen it. People have looked at it from a distance. Look, Elohim is exalted beyond our knowledge. The number of his years cannot be counted, for he makes water drops evaporate. They distill the rain into its mist, which the clouds pour out and shower abundantly over mankind. 
Can anyone understand how the clouds spread out or how the thunder roars from the Almighty's pavilion? Look, he spreads his lightning around him and he covers the depths of the sea. For he judges the nations with these. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with lightning and commands it to hit its mark. The thunder declares its presence. The cattle also the approaching storm. My heart pounds at this and leaps from my chest. Just listen to his thunderous voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He lets it loose beneath the entire sky, his lightning to the ends of the earth. Then there comes a roaring sound. The Almighty thunders with his majestic voice. He does not restrain the lightning when his rumbling voice is heard. The Almighty thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. And the torrential rains, his mighty torrential rains, serve as his signature to all mankind so that all men may know his work. The wild animals enter their lairs and stay in their dens. The windstorms come from its chamber and the cold from the driving north winds. Ice is formed by the breath of the Almighty and watery expanses are frozen. He saturates the clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. They swirl about, turning around and around at his direction, accomplishing everything he commands them over the surface of the inhabited world. He causes this to happen for punishment, for his land, or for his faithful love. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider the Almighty's wonders. Do you know how the Almighty directs his clouds or makes their lightning flash? Do you understand how the clouds float? Those wonderful works of him who has perfect knowledge. You, who, you whose clothes get hot when the south wind brings calm to the land, can you help the Almighty spread out the skies as hard as a cast metal mirror? Teach us what we should say to him. We cannot prepare our case because of our darkness. Should he be told that I want to speak? Can a man speak when he is confused? Now men cannot even look at the sun when it is in the skies. After a wind has swept through and cleared them away, yet out of the north he comes, shrouded in a golden glow, awesome majesty surrounds him. The Almighty, we cannot reach him. He is exalted in power. In his justice and righteousness, he will not oppress. This is a great and mighty king we serve. We're talking about the one who stretched the lines for the earth. He said that he hung the earth on nothing. He made it out of nothing and hung it on nothing. We're talking about the creator of heaven and earth. He's that powerful and his love is that great. This is the mighty exalted king of the world, the king of the universe. This is the power that indwells us as believers. I'm not saying we can create the universe, guys. But what I am saying is that power that indwelt Christ now indwells us. Maybe not to the fullest capacity because we don't access it, but it's there. If Christ lives within us and dwells within us, he was filled with the fullness of the Almighty. And if he dwells within us, by extension, we have the exact same power that lives within us. A power you've never imagined, a power that you can't handle and you can't touch. These are the resources that we have. And instead of utilizing them, we treat him like a puny little God. We just, we don't even recognize him. We don't even, we don't realize how great he is, how wonderful he is, how marvelous he is. We don't think about the creation of the world. We don't think about when he destroys Jericho and tells the Israelites to march around the city and all you got to do is blow the trumpet and I'm fisting to make a city fall. This is, this is the mighty one that we serve and yet we treat him like a butler. We just pray and, you know, go to bed and 
That's the idea. That's what that, we think that his, his power is limited to our prayers. And it's not. We can just keep on praying and we can just reach in there and grab and, and access the, all the power that's been given to us. We have what it takes to be great spiritual men and women. We just got to access it. See, inner strength of the indwelling spirit leads to, be, leads to the indwelling of Christ, which then leads to incomprehensible, incomprehensible love, which then leads to infinite fullness of the king of the universe. We have everything we need. We just don't utilize it. We have not because we ask not. Brother Leon likes to quote that verse in here. We have not because we ask not. We don't find because we don't seek. How foolish we are, saints, to not access that what we're blessed with. You're always able to do above and beyond anything that we could ask or think because of the power that works within us. That's why he can do it. That's how he can do it. You can because he's there. We can do all things through Christ. Everybody's familiar with the verse. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about I can go play football and run real fast because Christ strengthens me. That's not the idea. I can defeat any spiritual battle that comes my way because Christ is within me. I'm a spiritual giant as long as he's living within me. I can do spiritual things. The world can't, can't come over on me if Christ lives within me. That's the idea. So according to what power can we do these things? According to the power of the fullness of Yahweh that dwells in Christ, who dwells in us. By the power of the great and almighty Yahweh, we can. We can. Don't say we can't. We can. We can do all these things, spiritual things. Never let your spiritual man be suffocated by weak and elementary things of the world. This, there's, nothing, there's, there's, there's no ride like the roller coaster that Yahweh will put you on. There's, there's, there's nothing in this world that's better than the highs that Yahweh will give you. There's not an occasion in the world that's superior to the wonderful works of Yahweh. And everything about Yahweh is greater than any worldly pleasure that you will ever find. It's all great. It's all great. Live as if Yahweh dwells within you. And you have the power of the Almighty on your side. When David come to fight Goliath, you know what he said? I come in the mighty name of Yahweh. He said, you come against me with swords and shields. He said, I come in the name of Yahweh. That's all he needed. That's all he needed. The power of Yahweh was within him. Live as if Yahweh dwells within you and you have the, the power of Almighty. Never ceasing to give him the glory as Paul's doing here. Look at, uh, look at verse 21. We'll close. We'll close here. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Yeshua to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul closes here recognizing what I believe are the two greatest attributes of Yahweh's creation, his son and his church. I think those are the two greatest things that Yahweh ever created. To Yahweh be the glory for all he is and all that he has been and all that he will be. Folks, we're to give Yahweh the glory for all things. He's blessed us with more resources than we could ever imagine. Tap into these resources. Recognize who you are, who you serve, and stand on those resources. You've got it within you. We've, when, we, when we yield to the Holy Spirit and he comes in within our, within our being, starts to change our very nature and Yahweh's son moves into our life. He says that, hey, if you do what I ask you to do, if you keep my commands, my father will love you and we will make our home with you. When they make their home with you, you start to per- they start to permeate your very soul. You start to look and act like Christ. You start to walk like he does. Once that takes place, once Christ is living within you, the power of Yahweh, the fullness of Yahweh is indwelling within you because his son is fully indwelt with, with, his, with his father, by his father. 
what he's living within us, there's no limits as to what we can do from a spiritual standpoint. I'm not talking about we can run out here and jump up on top of buildings. I don't mean, I don't mean that. We're not, we don't become superheroes. We do, though, from a spiritual standpoint. We're spiritual giants, and we can be. So tap into those resources. Recognize who you are, who you serve. Stand on those promises. Stand on them. We serve a mighty king. Let's not think we ask too much of him. Let's, let's not think that we ask too much of him. His spiritual blessings abound according to his riches. According to his riches. He is a great and mighty king. His spiritual blessings can be poured out on us. They're great. I don't serve a petty God. I don't know about the rest of you in here, but I don't serve a petty God that's limited to help me. He's not limited as to what he can do for me. Jerry, it doesn't matter what's wrong with you. Whether or not he does or not, that's his business, but he can heal you. He can't heal. You don't serve a small God that can't wipe out sclerosis of the liver. That's, that's chump change to him. It don't mean anything to him, you know. I serve the king of the universe. Anything that I have need of, he is more than able, more than capable of giving it to me. So for that, I'm thankful. He's majestic. He's royalty. He's a great and compassionate king. Let's honor him like he is such and treat him like he is such. And that's the Yahweh that loves us immeasurably. His love, width, his love's width can reach anybody. His love's depth can reach even the deepest pit of hell. His love's length runs from eternity to eternity. His, love height, his love's height will one day take us into his presence. That's Yahweh's love. That's the essence of Yahweh. And he's able to do above and beyond all that we can ever think or ask. He wants to fill us. He wants to enable us. He wants to make us who he wants us to be. And he wants to do all of it according to his will. All right, let's stand and close. Yahweh, Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for the indwelling spirit that you give us. Father, I thank you for wanting to make your home within us and dwell within us. And Father, I thank you for filling us to the fullness of Father, I just pray that you would do that to each and every one of us in this room tonight. And Father, I pray that we would, uh, we would glorify you for that. Father, we understand a little bit of your love, maybe not all of it, but we're starting to understand sacrifice. And Father, I just pray that you'll uh, continually move us, bless us, strengthen us, give us all, all that we need, Father. Make us who we need to be. Yahweh, let us always be faithful enough to give you the glory and to lift you up for all that you've done for us. Father, I pray that you would take care of each and every one of us as we leave here tonight. Keep us safe as we go home. Father, for all the ones that were on the, mentioned on the prayer request, I just pray that you would be with those uh, physically and emotionally and all that's going on in their lives. Father, we'll just lift you up. We'll glorify you. And Father, be back here next week to, uh, to lift you up some more and honor you and glorify you then. Father, we give you praise in all that you do. We're thankful for all this. We ask it all in your holy son's name. Amen.